0: Thanks so much for listening. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the first of two bonus episodes for How I Built It in between seasons five and six. Season six will be coming back in mid January, and I'm really excited about both the lineup and the sponsors. I'm also really excited about this second bonus episode, which is uh, going to be a uh, turned tables interview where my friend Jeff Large interviews me about my career, and how I built the podcast and things like that. But today, we are looking at implementing Gutenberg. So, over on my YouTube channel, I had a four-part mini-series where I interviewed different people about how they implemented the new block editor in WordPress 5.0 before WordPress 5.0 came out. Uh, those people were Justin Sainton, Renee Rene Bill Erickson, and Alonzo Indicochea. Uh, and... In each interview, we talked kind of about a different aspect of uh, their approach to implementing this very beta software. So really excited for you to hear this. Uh, The videos, again, are up on my YouTube channel. They'll be in the show notes for this episode, uh, which you can find at howibuilt.it. I figured I would put them all here. Uh, They are audio interviews anyway, so uh, you can listen to them all right in a row. They all run around 15 minutes. So uh, this is a nice hour long episode for you. Uh, So without further ado, let's get into it. Hey everybody, Joe Casabona here. Welcome to uh, this mini series I'm doing about implementing Gutenberg in the real world. And uh, I'm really excited, my first guest today is uh, Justin Santan of Zeo uh, and he graciously uh, agreed to come on the show and talk about a site that he recently implemented with Gutenberg. Justin, how are you? Good man. how are you doing? I am fantastic. Thank you for uh, piloting this series with me. I don't usually do like the Zoom call recorded and uploaded to YouTube so we'll see how Great. it goes.
1: <laughs> Sounds fun.
0: Yeah, uh, so this shouldn't take uh, too long, right? People say that YouTube videos should be like less than 15 minutes to keep attention span. uh, And I just wanted to run through a couple of questions with you. So uh, maybe you could talk about, a little bit about like who you are and what you do and then about this project.
1: Yeah, for sure. So my name is Justin. I run a small agency called Zeo. We're out of Portland, Oregon. And most of what we do is kind of like the upper end of the WooCommerce market, right? So this isn't like, we don't spend most of our days doing theme builds and kind of basic setups and things like that. A lot of times it's migrations, a lot of times it's custom front-end apps with you know, Vue or React or whatever, um, that kind of stuff, or solving uh, migration problems or, or workflow problems, that type of stuff. Um, so that's what we spend our days doing. And this project was actually a really cool project. It was uh, It's from a company in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, called Rochambeau. Uh, which is for anybody who's ever watched South Park. It has a diff- <laughs> very different connotation. Yeah, uh, that's not the connotation they're going for. <laughs> uh, they actually. I suspect
0: sell- they're probably named after like the world. Uh, the Revolutionary War was it a general? I think there was a general yeah. named
1: Rochambeau. Yeah, I'm gonna say yes. <laughs> I'm no history buff, but sure. <laughs> um, and anyway, they're a great client, uh, and they they sell really high end lighting. Uh, some commercial, some residential, really their focus uh, for their client base is like wholesalers and interior designers, things like that. These aren't like the $200 ceiling fans with lights that you buy at Home Depot. These are like eight dollars chandeliers that you put in like a $3 million house, um, lighting like that. Uh, and so they came to us with a, a bunch of problems. They had a, you know, a WooCommerce set up and their existing developer had kind of reached his capacity on what he could do. And uh, so they came to us to kind of uh, get some increase in capacity. One of the uh, issues that they had was they wanted to build a design your own kind of page where people could come and pick out a frame for a chandelier. They could come and pick out beads for a chandelier, specific lights for a chandelier, and then they could do kind of whatever they want. They could build their own. Again, their client base was built off of a lot of designers. So having this kind of functionality was important. Um, And so this wasn't, uh, you know, when we came into this problem, Gutenberg wasn't like the most obvious way to solve this issue. But at the time, Gutenberg was not totally stable, but stable enough. This was maybe two or three months ago. Um, It was stable enough to say, you know, let's give it a go and see what we can do with it. Maybe it'll be a good fit. Maybe it won't. So we decided to really use Gutenberg as kind of a rapid prototyping tool for like an app. Right. So normally we might kind of build this front end and, you know, react review or whatever and have a real custom solution. Uh, But with their timeline and budgetary requirements and kind of what we saw as the potential for Gutenberg, we thought it could be a really cool use case for this. So we didn't really dive into using Gutenberg as Uh, What we really like it for now is, uh, is like writing blog posts and then kind of going back over it and adding flavor to it. It's right now it's perfect for that and it works really beautifully. Um, It doesn't really work right now great as like a page builder as a prototyping app. uh, But we decided to use it that way anyway. And so that's kind of uh, how we hopped into it and where we found uh, you know, some really powerful things about it and then some real pain points about it that we can see a lot of potential for in the future. Um, so while it's really great for, you know, basic blog posts, you can go back and have images or galleries or quotes or whatever, super easy. Uh, we wanted to build a system that was kind of a step-by-step system, right? So you have to start out with the whole kind of grid of, uh, you know, of chandelier frames. And then once you select a chandelier frame, you have to select how, you know, if you want the 18 or 24 inch and then you have to go and select the beads you want the light that you want. And so we had to really build this process that we ended up adding a lot of, uh, you know, kind of CSS and JavaScript uh, flavor to. Um, But we were able to build the overall kind of layout in Gutenberg. And doing that was actually pretty easy and pretty powerful. And this was at the point, and I feel embarrassed that I'm not following it closely enough, but this was at the point when the columns block was fairly new, like it was still Uh in beta. I don't know if it's out of beta yet or not. Um, but having that was actually really helpful because it kind of helped us uh, lay things out in such a way that, uh, you know, this client, their customer basis designers, they have designers themselves. So they were able to send us like these really kind of semi low fidelity mockups and say, hey, can I look like this? And we're able to take those mockups, kind of uh, prototype it in, in Gutenberg and then get something that's really, really close to their vision. Um, And so being able to use it as sort of like a rapid prototyping tool and then add all the extra flavor to it with some extra CSS and JavaScript was actually really cool and kind of a cool way to use it.
0: Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting, right? Because, um, you know, I think a lot of people might expecting to hear, I was certainly expecting to hear something like, oh, yeah, we just took this like vanilla kind of site and converted it to Gutenberg and like now we can manage posts and pages a little bit easier. Uh, but right out the gate, we're talking about like a straight up application built with Gutenberg. And I, I like that you're, you mentioned you were going to use react. You decided on Gutenberg and this was a good starting point almost, right? You, you had to add some extra stuff in there, but this was a good kind of uh, kickstart for the project. So, uh, my next question is, uh, what do you think was maybe the easiest, or what was made a lot easier with Gutenberg? I'm sure you you definitely said a few things there, but uh, what's like a standout thing for you?
1: Yeah, so when you're talking about like part of this application building process is really ultimately like page layout and UI component building, Uh, And when people hear React, sometimes if they're not familiar with it, it feels big and scary, but ultimately all React review is, is, you know, sort of a codified framework for UI components. Mm -hmm. Um, And so having the the, the ability to use Gutenberg in the same way as React, right? So it's not necessarily code as much as it is uh, the purpose of the code. Mm -hmm. And so it's this sort of like codified library of UI components, that's really what the blocks are. And so having that kind of consistent uh, component library to be able to use uh, to build out this application, um, that was a lot easier. And being able to use something that was built in such a way that you know it's good, right? I mean, sometimes we we really like use different metrics and heuristics of what's uh, like good code and you can look at something like say, like facial composer and be like, well, you know, for all of its robust powerfulness, whatever, it's not good. <laughs> but then you can look at something like Gutenberg and say, you know, for all of its flaws and failings, it is, it's good, right? And so there's that sort of like gut feeling of, is it good or is it not good? And so being able to go out of the gate with something that was like good, uh, that to me like was the real benefit and the real power of Gutenberg is like, I'm building something that I know is built and will continue to be built on good foundations. You know, for right now, uh, I don't know when this, when this will air, but right now the big thing is like, Oh man, is it accessible? And yeah, in some ways it is. In some ways it isn't. I'm not the expert there. Um, but I think I have enough trust in what it is to say, yeah, it's good. It's going to get there.
0: I really love that point of view because you're right at the time of this recording, uh, the dates have been announced. People think it's too soon. I'm people that think it's too soon, right? Or too close to Black Friday. There's the accessibility discussion happening right now. And there's just kind of a lot of bad press. But for since January, I've been saying, hey, I think this is a really good thing. It's a really good thing for new users. And I think you're, maybe part of the reason I'm doing this series is to, to demonstrate that. And I can't imagine a better project to start with than this one because again you're coming out the gate you're saying gutenberg is not just like a, a blogging thing it's a really good framework for uh, i like what you said the purpose of the code right uh yeah. so i i really like that uh but on that same token uh, and you mentioned this a little bit but maybe what's a standout thing that didn't go as expected for you
1: Sure. Yeah, no. So and this is actually really simple. And it was really simple to fix. But one of the things that I wish worked a little bit better was, uh, so I mean, the layout of the site on the front end was kind of very widescreen. It wasn't totally full screen, but it was pretty wide. And by default, in Gutenberg, it's very much not wide. I think the default kind of window that you work with in Gutenberg is like six or 700 pixels or something Mm -hmm. like that. So it's really in no way reflective of most front ends of websites yeah so I, I wish there was a way uh, you know, I think at some point there was either a feature plugin or maybe it's already in core like with the customizer where you could drag the size of the customizer because a lot of people were doing these kind of interesting layout things with the customizer and needed more space in that little sidebar you get with it, right? Um, and so I think at some point there was a way to kind of drag it to make it bigger. I would love if there was like an easy way to do that in Gutenberg where you didn't necessarily have to go overwrite some CSS, which is you know what the handbook says to do and is mm-hmm. what we did eventually. Um, it was just to update the CSS to say, hey, here's a full width, here's a wide width, and here's a like, standard width. Um, it would be cool if it just kind of lets you as a user just kind of stretch it and, and do that because once we did that, the actual the reflection of it from the front end to the back end, there was a lot less discrepancy there, and it made the layout kind of a lot more predictable. Um, and so that was just a really little thing that was simple to fix, but it made a huge difference, and I wish it was a little bit more uh, natural to do that.
0: Yeah and I mean that makes sense too cuz I the I mean the big problem with today the 4.9 and and before editor is that it's not a what you see is what you get experience right and right. Gutenberg starts to solve that a little bit but you're still not getting the real like it's not like moving into a page builder like Beaver builder and actually sure. seeing your site layout and how things will actually look like when you click done the only thing that changes is the bar disappears Uh, but having a a wider especially you know i could see kind of why they did it right because people have different screen sizes and you want to make sure the content looks really good in the editor to like kind of showcase what it's doing but i have a 32 inch screen it's like a 4k monitor or ultra hd or whatever they're calling it these days but um you know so that doesn't leave a lot of that doesn't utilize the screen real estate so Um, I like that that was kind of the problem you ran into and I I like the fix for it. So um, I think that that's a really good piece of feedback and it definitely could be a feature plugin or something to be included in themes. I believe that's probably what the handbook recommends, right? Um, Yeah. Cool. And my last question, this has been great. Uh, My last question is for those who want to start working with Gutenberg on their projects today, what recommendations do you have?
1: Yeah, so I would say start slow. I think there's a lot uh, a lot of people who really like to be on the cutting edge. I would say I'm right there with them. We're not quite ready to go uh, with our clients and say, hey, let's build out your entire site in Gutenberg and And you have nothing to worry about six months from now. Mm -hmm. We don't really feel that comfortable. But with this client, it was a great example of, hey, we're not going to go rebuild your entire site. We're going to take this one section of your site and rebuild it in Gutenberg, Mm or even on our own company website for all of our new blog posts we're starting to use Gutenberg instead of the classic editor. And so I would say for somebody who's looking to get started, don't feel like you have to start with everything immediately. Start with just your new blog post. Start with maybe one page on your site uh, or a a site for a client uh, and kind of start to get your feet wet a little bit. I think once you do and once you start to familiarize yourself with it, my hunch is there's a lot of lurkers with Gutenberg right now. There's a lot of people who are listening to all the feedback and saying, oh, it's not ready. It's not good. Uh, there's all these problems with it. and But a lot of those people probably don't even use it, honestly. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think if people actually just say, hey, I'm going to start small. I'm going to start with something and just start to use it. I'm going to read the handbook. I'm going to understand the code a little bit. I don't have to learn React. I'm just going to learn a little bit. Um, I think if people start somewhere and start with a little bit and just get used to it, they'll actually really love it. Um, and that's been my experience so far is it just starting with a little bit, a little plant project here, a little piece of the website here, our own company blog. Uh, it's like, you know what? This has come a long way from when I first tried it like a year ago. And it's really, it's actually quite good to go back to that kind of heuristic that gut feeling is it, is mm-hmm. it good. Um, and so I think, you know, start small, start somewhere and get that sense of like, okay, this is actually pretty good. And then you can build
0: from there. That's great advice. I love that. Uh, and I think that I will link this in the description for the video below, but a Gutenberg Ramp by the Automatic team, uh, the WordPress VIP team, I think is a very good thing to help you implement Justin's advice of starting slow. So, uh, Justin, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Uh, where can people find you?
1: Yeah, so Twitter's always good. JS underscore zao zao on Twitter's great. Uh, our company website zao.is. is uh, And yeah, those are kind of the main places I hang out.
0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to uh, a second episode of this mini series I'm doing about implementing Gutenberg. I'm Joe Casabona, and today my guest is Renee Morozovich. Is that right? Excellent. Yes, it is. Yes. Uh, <laughs> she is a self-employed WordPress developer, uh, and we're going to be talking about how she used Gutenberg uh, on a local company's website. Is that right? Yes, it is. All right. Well, welcome, Renee. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate you taking the time.
2: Thanks, Joe, for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
0: Cool. Very cool. So why don't we start out with just uh, who you are and, and what you do?
2: Yeah, great. Um, so I am a self-employed WordPress developer. Um, I live outside of Pittsburgh um, and I've been doing this for over a year now and I love it. I love WordPress. I love development. I love working with people. I love the variety. I love that we're doing this at 10 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> um, it's it's all good. Like this is a great, yeah, great career path.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I'm very happy being in this space as well. Despite some of the drama, you know, if you if you've seen me on the Gutenberg live show, you know I get pretty worked up about certain things. But it's all from a place of love. I'm a I'm a New York Italian, and so we're very we're very passionate about things.
2: Right, so that's not a bad thing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So cool. Uh, so you are outside of Pittsburgh. I mm-hmm. enjoy the Pittsburgh accent, specifically certain words uh, like yins uh, and. Uh, the hard O that you have, you know, like I'm not going to drink scotch in Pittsburgh. I'm going to drink scotch. in.
2: And I have to end all of my sentences with an at,
0: right? (laughs) (laughs) That's a new, I didn't know that one. I'm I'm going (laughs) to, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, cool. Very cool. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, this project and, and maybe why you decided to use Gutenberg for it?
2: Okay, great. Yeah. So uh, the client's a local insurance company and they had a website a long time ago, but then hadn't had a website for several years. So they had no WordPress experience. Um, They, again, didn't have a website at all. So coming into it, instead of having to teach them the classic editor and then in six months or, you know, whatever the timetable was, you know, reteaching them Gutenberg, um, I thought just start from start with Gutenberg from the start. Um, because it was a really basic site, you know, like about services, you know, contact, request for quote. um, and they were going to do some blog posts, um, but again, very basic. We used a um, Genesis theme that already existed, you know, just a little bit of customizations. Um so it was pretty straightforward. So I thought it would be a good candidate for Gutenberg um so that I know also too, with other clients how it works.
0: yeah, absolutely. That's great. I'm, and I think in in my teaching of other people, uh, that's probably not the best way to word that. <laughs> when I teach other people, that's generally my approach is that if they have never used WordPress before, start at Gutenberg, right? Because it will, it'll reduce the amount of teaching you'll have to do.
2: Exactly. For uh, sure.
0: so, so I'm going to go a little bit off script, right? I provided these questions earlier, but <laughs> I do want to ask uh, if the site is launched and you've already trained the clients on this, uh, what, what was their reception to Gutenberg?
2: Uh, They were fine with it uh, because they didn't know any different. They just were, you know, it was just how it works. And I think, you know, they're familiar with things like Microsoft Word, um, you know, Outlook. You know, these are all very visual things. Um, They know buttons and, you know, where to click. And you basically just say, this is how it works. And, you know, they were fine. Also, we didn't get really complicated. You know, we didn't do any of the the beta stuff, the columns. uh, You know, we didn't do image galleries and things like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, We did a couple short codes, but, you know, basically headings, paragraphs. Um, We used the classic editor just for a a tiny little bit, but I ended up converting those to blocks. So they were fine with it. You know, they they didn't have any problems.
0: Cool. Very cool. And uh, in in using uh, Gutenberg for this project, what do you think is something that was made easier by using Gutenberg?
2: I really liked how you can move the content around. Um, so it was really easy to drag and drop, especially when they changed their mind. Oh, we want to add this first or, Oh, you know, we can't put that in that order. Um, you know, really easy to, to drag and drop. And I also really liked, um, on the top left, there's a little I, a little button uh, with an i in it for the content structure. So you can see that you've used the appropriate headings, um, in the right order. So I have some clients in the past who really like, um, oh, I like how heading four looks. So I'm just going to use heading four here. Mm. But trying to kind of guide my clients like, okay, heading, there should be one heading one on the page and it should be the title. Um, And then you want to start with heading two. And then if you have some heading threes, you know, you can use that. And we did. So I really like that we could see, you know, that they use the correct ones in the correct place.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. I think that is one of a couple of features that will be Maybe not surprisingly useful, but uh, way more useful than what you have in the, in the classic editor, which is nothing like that, right? right. Because mm-hmm. you can see, it It allows you to focus more on the content. I think that's kind of the, the gem that I'm pulling out from what you just said. You can easily reorder content based on feedback and you don't have to like copy and paste. You can just kind of drag the blocks and uh, that content structure outline is, is really great, especially for writing long form content. Right, definitely awesome uh so uh, what didn't go as expected you know uh, especially cuz uh we were we're recording this i think on the day 5.0 beta 1 uh, is coming out uh which means that you used it before 5.0 beta 1 so there were probably some kinks right
2: so i think just part of the learning curve of anything new is just where does the functionality live so mm-hmm. i know i want to do something how can i do it where is it so um, I didn't end up using this, but I was looking for it. Uh, the more tag, so I use the more tag uh, every once in a while. To get yeah. People, Where is it? So I was looking really hard in the paragraph block because that made sense to me. But it's its own separate block now. So you know, now I know that, and now it's fine. So you know, it's not a that big deal. Um, also, to not specifically a, ch- excuse me, a challenge per se, but um, every time you use it, like you said, in every new version that comes out, there is something new. So something I didn't know about. Um, so when I did this, I Yoast didn't have the structured data blocks. So there's mm-hmm. an FAQ and a how to, uh, which is really cool. So I think maybe because I didn't know about it, uh, because it didn't exist at the time, I would have to go back and kind of look through and say, okay, maybe I need to go back and, you know, redo the, redo a page or, you know, make use of this, you know, where it didn't exist. But I think once it comes out, you know, most of the functionality will be there in my mind and then any additional things. Um, yeah. If they came out, you know, you can add them back in, but, um, so not challenges per se, but you know, just a few little things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So Yoast, I want to, I want to drive that point home I think cause I don't think I knew this, yoast for their gutenberg support has structured data blocks for things like faqs
2: yeah so there's two blocks now that i that i just noticed recently um yeah there's an faq and a how-to so you know when you look through that big list of blocks they were at the bottom um yeah yeah, and really cool so you know yay structured data yeah so definitely very cool i didn't use them um because it wasn't you know the site didn't lend itself to that Mm -hmm. but i so i'm not sure how they look but you know, I think any, any kind of structured data you want to add to your site, you know, would definitely be good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of the, that's not something that Gutenberg does natively, right? I mean, they were essentially just making giant content again, but it's something that Gutenberg has the ability to do is create structured data. Uh, John Ekman talks about that in one of his WordCamp talks. So it's very cool to see uh, Yoast and other people implementing things like that.
2: Right. And it'll be cool to see what people come up with, you know, in the future.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And one more question before I I ask you uh, about your recommendations Mm -hmm. uh, is that you mentioned that you used a studio press theme. Uh, How was that? You know, were there any kind of hoops you had to jump through to make sure everything worked okay?
2: No, not at all. It was pretty seamless. Um, You know, I followed the the theme setup, you know, for the homepage and really the other pages were just uh, the Gutenberg pages. And yeah, it was, it was great.
0: Cool. Very cool. And one thing I'm planning on doing is testing out Gutenberg with a Studio Press theme and then the Studio Press Dam Buster plugin, okay. which is was specifically made for Beaver Builder, mm-hmm. but it kind of gets rid of the content restraints. So you can maybe take advantage of some of the things like um, the cover image a little bit better in a Studio Press theme. So that's something I've been noodling on that I just wanted to put out there for the audience. Uh, but as we uh, wrap up uh, what recommendations do you have for people who might want to start implementing uh, WordPress 5.0 or Gutenberg today?
2: So I think that we talked a little bit about this before, but you know, using it on something really simple. So one page or one post or um, even a, a simple site, um, you know, just kind of spending some time with it, looking through and investigating all the blocks. Um, and when you install Gutenberg, there is a demo. So you can play with that demo. And sometimes, kind of seeing those in action versus just seeing the blocks that are available will spark something in you. You Oh, look! I didn't know you could you know do that that way. Um, And there's there's so many more things too. Um, So I went to WordCamp Minneapolis and heard uh, Eric talk uh, from WP Block Party um, and did some really amazing things. Um, Alonzo talked at uh, WordCamp Pittsburgh, which I helped with, Um, and I also saw some plugins, uh, from atomic blocks and, uh, the stackable ultimate Gutenberg blocks. And I didn't look into those because again, that site didn't really lend itself, you know, to, you know, really amazing things, but there are really cool things happening. Um, and atomic Blocks seems to have a theme too. I just actually sent it to someone the other day, like, Oh, Hey, you know, I know you're starting a new thing. Um, you know, maybe start with this theme. It might be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. I actually use the Atomic Blocks theme in my Introduction to Gutenberg course. Ooh, awesome. And it's uh, yeah, it's, it's very nice and it's it's got very good Gutenberg support as mm-hmm. you expect. That's
2: very uh,
0: cool. Awesome. Well, Renee, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time.
2: Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. I had a great time.
0: Awesome. And I'm going to for one regional thing, uh, as I live near uh, near Philadelphia now is <laughs> I've been drinking Wawa coffee. Oh, no. <laughs> and I know that there's there's a pretty hard divide there is definitely Pennsylvania between Philadelphia and Pittsburgh you guys are are sheets
2: sheets I know you should have told me I would have brought my sheets with me I could have stopped on the way and
0: (laughs) interestingly enough I went to college in Scranton and uh, we have a sheets but no wawa There, the closest wawa is about 40 minutes away so oh my god how did you survive well I'm going to be honest with you uh coming from New York we didn't have like a sheets, we had like a Seven Eleven, but that's mm-hmm. not Sheets or Wawa. Mm-hmm. So I liked Sheets until I moved closer to Philly, and my wife and my in-laws were like, "What is the matter with <laughs> you? like you're Peter. like the, yeah, exactly? They're like well that's you're funny. a barbarian?" I'm like, "What?" Well, <laughs> so that's super funny.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah. So we've got you know we've got like real bagel joints in New York, whatever. But
2: this is true. You have to eat <laughs> bagels. We we don't. We don't have any of that out here. I mean,
0: Panera, like you can't really. Yeah, right. Yeah. So, hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Implementing Gutenberg, a YouTube series where I interview somebody about how they've implemented Gutenberg on a live site. Today, my guest is Bill Erickson, a WordPress developer extraordinaire. Uh, Bill, how are you today?
3: I'm great. How are you?
0: I am fantastic. Thanks so much for taking the time uh, to come on the show and do this. We met. What we met like what a year ago maybe at WordCamp US or something like that, like Uh, like like for real. Yeah,
3: there was a conference. I don't remember which one. Um, I think it it was Post Status maybe.
0: Yes, that's That's yes, that's exactly what it was. Post Status publish. Um, yeah, and uh, so like I know like we've kind of hung around in the same circles, but that was like the first time we actually Mm -hmm. hung out uh, due to Sean Hesketh, right, a mutual friend of ours. So, Mm -hmm. cool. Uh, So I saw you uh, kind of tweeting and blogging about. Uh, how, what it's like implementing Gutenberg, and that was why I reached out. So I will include the link to your blog uh, in the description for anybody watching, but um, I know you've implemented a couple of uh, projects using Gutenberg on a couple of projects. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe just pick uh, one of your favorites or one that's fresh in your mind and and tell us a little bit about it.
3: Yeah, so um, this is actually a project that is still under development, so it's not live yet, but, probably in the next few months it will be. Um, we were building a site. It's rcp.com um, and basically converting their current site into WordPress. Um, it's, uh, it's hard-coded at the moment and it has a great looking design and nice features, but um, the web developer left and then they wanted to move to WordPress. So um, design-wise, we were just sort of trying to replicate a lot of their features. And um, during the process, um, I saw there was some good Good interactions for for Gutenberg. Um, we weren't designing specifically for Gutenberg. We've done that before, like where we start with the Gutenberg blocks. But on this one, um, it just sort of made sense. Uh, we. Uh, I found that there are about nine custom blocks that we had to build um, to implement their features. Um, and uh, and it just really came together better than anything else we could have done rather than turning off the editor and building it with meta boxes or short codes or anything. So it was it seemed to be a really good fit for what a, a good Gutenberg site would be.
0: Cool, very cool. So, uh, so I like that. So you didn't try to like force Gutenberg into some project just to use it. You kind of looked at the specs for this website, a static website, you said. Um, and then thought, all right, Gutenberg would actually be a good fit based on the the content that they have, right?
3: Yeah, I actually surprised my designer, because we've done a few <laughs> of these projects where we design it for Gutenberg, where we start with, here are all the core blocks. Now let's design how they look. Now let's assemble the pages by stacking the blocks in different orders. So we've done, those are the, like what my designer thought were our Gutenberg sites. He delivers me these designs, and I tell him I'm using Gutenberg, he's like, what, you can, you can use Gutenberg for this? And I'm like, yeah, it, it'll work <laughs> great. Um, and I find that Gutenberg works really well. Um, like it's a block, block-based content editor. Um, mm-hmm. It's not a page builder. Um, but if you have unique content blocks, so something that's sort of visually interesting that would be difficult to do in the classic editor, um, it works great for it. Like, like having a lot of like call to actions or like call out boxes or um, think like widget-like things. Um, one of the things on this site, they had a, a newsletter section Um, They do monthly newsletters and um, there's probably 10 or 12 articles within it. And at the top, there is like a table of contents and you can click through and go down to to that section. Rather than hard coding all of that in every single newsletter, I created a table of contents block. They just drop it in there. It automatically finds every H2 in the page. Um, If they have put an anchor link it uses that if not it adds anchor links to every heading and then allows wow. them to click through it so um simple things like that where they're assembling it and they're like I need a table of contents now I need to type my heading and add a separator it just it flowed really well with Gutenberg
0: yeah that's really cool and then you have this dynamic Gutenberg block did you use this is like a oh, this wasn't mm-hmm. predetermined uh this question but did you use uh like the ACF block builder did you build that in react
3: I've used the ACF block builder for that one. Um, but I mean, in the, the editor itself, um, we're not doing anything real special. It just has a message that says, this will list out the headings, because yes. I didn't want to go and mess around with the Gutenberg editor too much yeah. on that one. Um, and then on the front end, we're just um, filtering the content, finding all the H2s and adding IDs and things. So um, yeah, it's, it's mostly, it's just PHP. Um, and uh, so yeah, we're not, we're not using React on that block.
0: No, but that's cool. I really like that. Right. And that makes sense. Right. Because then, if they add the table of contents block and then decide, oh, we need to add a link here, now you're causing stress on the admin that you don't necessarily need, like processing stress. Um, yeah. Just I don't want it to be like live refreshing um, yeah, everything.
3: Like, they yeah. don't need that. They just need to know that this is where a table this, of contents
0: Yeah. Are. For yeah, this exactly.
3: specific content right. context.
0: Right. And I mean, to that point, like, people are saying that Gutenberg is. WYSIWYG but it's not really it's more WYSIWYG than the classic Mm -hmm. editor but you know you're not seeing your actual theme or the actual styles uh so you know it's not like you need something that's like super feature complete on every change either so I I really like that approach um so uh you answered this a little bit already but uh what's one thing uh that you think Gutenberg lent itself or lends itself since this is still being developed Mm -hmm. uh super well to Uh, uh what something that um, Gutenberg makes easier for this project?
3: Yeah, I I would say um, content that's just a little bit more complex than just sort of the standard text. So if you're just dealing with a few headings and paragraphs, um, that'll work the same, whether it's in the Classic Editor or the Gutenberg Editor. Um, Just standard text seems to be fine. But where Gutenberg really shines is the areas where you need something a bit more complex than that. And prior to Gutenberg, you would depend upon... Um, short codes, or um, I, I'd often use short code UI, so that we could insert a short code and then render it in the page. So the so it gave a Gutenberg-like experience, um, and so that's what we were using. Or custom meta boxes and stuff. And I find that um, the the new Gutenberg editor allows us to do a lot more with the standard editor, um, and so we're less reliant on meta boxes and short codes and adding new functionality in that way. And so it gives the client a lot more flexibility um, because these tools that we build for them, they can then use on any of their templates. So before I probably would have made a newsletter page template. Um, mm-hmm. And then all of these special features like the table of contents would have been automatically added at the top um, or built through the meta box or something. And so it'd, it'd be sort of hard coded ish. Um, but now because I have been able to build it as a block, they can throw it anywhere else. So if they want it on their privacy policy page, they can just drop it there.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. And that's, that's a great point, right? Cause now, you don't need to create a custom template, um, or maybe even a custom post type, right? Like you don't necessarily need a newsletter custom post type. It could just be a category of the regular blog posts or something like that.
3: Yeah, it just it. I find that building on top of Gutenberg, like it, it's increased the what the average user can do with the editor. They're able to make more feature rich content easier, um, and so we're able to focus our time on building more generic tools that allow them to to build out their pages. Um, I also really like the um, the reusable blocks. So like we have uh, yeah. join our newsletter uh, call to action. And so, um rather than hard coding that and making it a short code or something, we we made it like a call to action block, type in the newsletter stuff, and then, save as reusable and so they can insert that everywhere and so it's sort of a lot of the functionality that we've been sort of tacking on to WordPress like I would build that as a short code with short code UI and then a theme settings page where they could manage the text of it Um, so it's it's sort of checking the box on the things that I used to have to go around WordPress to do now now it can be done inside
0: yeah that's great and that's a great um I really love what you said they're tacking on right or or You're a Genesis, you you do a lot of Genesis work, right? Like the prescribed method of adding something like a pricing table in Mm -hmm. the current iteration of StudioPress themes or Genesis themes is copy the HTML from the the documentation and post it in the visual Mm -hmm. editor of the classic editor. With Gutenberg, you don't need to do that, really. Like I imagine that uh, StudioPress will start rolling out either just generic classes for the columns block or their own pricing table blocks so that you don't need to mess around with HTML anymore just to have a pricing table.
3: Yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, I mean, for features like that, it's going to be great. Um, and also, in more generic terms, the way StudioPress themes have been approached in the past is they, they use widget areas for the homepage because mm-hmm. Classic Editor wasn't able to build a complex page, so now they're depending on widgets. Um, but with Gutenberg, they're like, well, now we can do a lot more with the editor, so they're going to be rebuilding those, um, making them actual Gutenberg blocks with columns and things. And, um, and with... Uh, StudioPress Plus. Now their purchase of Atomic Blocks, you're going to have a deeper integration there. So instead of saying copy this HTML, this is your pricing table. There's going to be pricing table option in Atomic Blocks, and then all of the good, or all of the StudioPress themes will work with that. So it helps them build more rich templates. Lets you build more rich things without having to do a lot of custom coding on your own.
0: Yeah, that's super cool. I'm very excited to see. I mean, it's a bunch of smart guys and. When yeah. they picked up Atomic Blocks, they got even smarter guys. So <laughs> um, uh, even more smarter guys, I should say, not even smarter guys. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what direction all of that goes in with Studio Um, So cool. That's, I think that's probably uh, the perfect use case. Plus, this is a client that has never used WordPress before or never used it, at least on this site. So they don't have that preconceived notion of how mm-hmm. WordPress is supposed to work. Um, Yeah,
3: that's another one of the deciding factors we've been using when deciding whether to use Gutenberg or not. if it's a brand new site, I don't want to train them on an interface that's going to change in a few months, so I'd rather get them started with, with what's coming. Um, and if it's a fairly simple site, then there's no reason for us not to build it on top of Gutenberg. Some of our more complex sites are still using the Classic Editor because we depend upon it in certain ways, um, and so we're, we're sort of planning what we're going to do in the future. Um, and in some other pages, we are on some sites we'll use Gutenberg for most things, and then like maybe the home page and a landing page are going to like remove both the classic editor and Gutenberg and build that with meta boxes, which is mm-hmm. like how we build our more advanced pages. Um, but yeah, I've, I've found that um, for, for new sites and for simple sites, and for these more advanced content block like sites um, Gutenberg brings a ton of value. And so we're, we're more willing to, um, to push through whatever little bugs there might be and to do a bit more extra training for the client to build, give them a better product at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, that's great. I I really love that. And um, and so we've we've been basically all smiles here so far. But uh, what was what's a challenge that you've hit because of using Gutenberg?
3: Um, I would say there's two challenges. One is like the more immediate one is when you're building something out and you find a bug, mm-hmm. and whether it's an actual bug or like a, something that stops work or it's just something that doesn't work well, like a usability issue, um, those are annoying. And so I usually try and at the end of every few days or every week, when I find, I make sort of a list of all the things that bugged me when I was building out this Gutenberg site and then I go and post them as issues and try and get these things resolved um, before the client gets it in their hands. Um, for instance, on one of the sites we built, um, we used the columns block a lot and then we also used a short code block to insert icons and things. Um, but um, like the shortcode block has like a label here and then the shortcode here and inside of um, inside of the the columns block, you ended up having one character per line in the Mm shortcode. And so it was like this tall and pretty much unusable. So things like that, usability bugs that will be fixed before launch, but it's a little bit of a pain when you're um, building a site with with beta software for a client. Um, And then the other bigger issue that we've had is um, the fact that the styles keep changing inside of the Gutenberg editor. Um, And so we'll style the block quote in Gutenberg to match the front end. And then after a few releases, they add some new things and add new block quote options, and then we have to go back and do it again. Um, But those are both fairly minor. um, And once Gutenberg becomes official, they're going to have less of those issues, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's, um, well, so first of all, I like what you said about when you find bugs, you report them right i think that's the most constructive thing you can do unless you're a react developer then like go me grab a couple maybe if you have some time and and fix them yourself i am certainly not that uh and i don't want to hurt the project (laughs) Uh, so i'm not going to go fix bugs but report everything that you find there's like a feedback button Mm -hmm. uh, inside the gutenberg plugin too um and i i totally understand what you're saying about the styles keep changing we were talking about this in the pre-show but um you know i kind of based my course off of their feature complete date Mm -hmm. uh and like even a week before launch it doesn't seem like things are feature complete um like little things keep changing and that is a little bit of a frustration but it's like you said it's not a deal breaker uh by any stretch so um cool very cool and uh as we kind of wrap this up um what advice do you have for folks who want to start using Gutenberg on their actual, like, live projects today?
3: So i would I would definitely encourage you to start testing your site in Gutenberg now. Um, create a staging environment or a local dev environment. Install the plugin. See how the default editor works. Um, there's also some tools. Uh, or, or some approaches you can use to add new Gutenberg features to your site. So some of the Gutenberg features depend upon your theme supporting them. So an existing theme won't have support for like the wide or full images or editor styles. And so um, if you go look at the the handbook or the blog post that I assume is gonna be attached to this, um, I wrote a bunch of different um, Theme settings that that you can add to your theme um, to add theme support for for all these nice new features. So set up your color palettes to match your brand, and set up wide images and stuff like that. So there's some things you can do to sort of get more out of Gutenberg. Um, but really, I just say s- start playing with it and and see how how it'll you'll you'll work with your content. I mean, for most content, it's just gonna be the same, but maybe a little better. Um, it's like a standard content pages like blog posts and things. You're not gonna have any issues there. It's gonna be the same same as you're used to. Um your more advanced pages, you might need some some uh work or maybe think think through some things. Um but Gutenberg gives you a lot more tools than TinyMC had. So um you'll probably be better off when you're building out these things. You'll have more tools in your pocket to to work with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I uh that's really good advice. Uh I will I'll plug kind of two things of my own. I I, I have a theme course that I developed with (laughs) Zach Gordon. Uh, so you can find that in the show notes below. Uh, I'm certain that we've probably used your blog at some point for reference. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, and uh, as as this episode is released, uh, Gutenberg is set to come out in less than a week. Um, on Gutenberg launch day, I am going to upgrade my WooCommerce and LMS site uh, on a staging server, but live in real time. So if you're interested in seeing what that's going to look like, uh, there's a sign up button in the description for this video below. Uh, Bill, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Implementing Gutenberg. Today, my guest is Alonzo Indocochea. He is the founder of Block Party, a Gutenberg blocks plugin. So, this is going to be a little bit different than our previous interviews, and that I've talked to people who have implemented Gutenberg on client sites. And with Alonzo, we're going to be talking about actually building a product on top of Gutenberg. Alonzo, how are you today?
4: Very good, very good. Uh, It's another sunny day here in New Mexico.
0: Excellent, excellent. Uh, Alonzo and I met at, uh, we met at um, WordCamp Grand Rapids, right? And I I knew that we would get along because you are a self-deprecating Mets fan and I am a boisterous Yankee fan. Uh, <laughs> so I think those two go well together as opposed to like my friend who's a Mets fan and takes things very seriously.
4: Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I've been around a lot of boisterous Yankee fans. I have no idea why you guys, uh, seem to, uh, uh, you know, take offense or be upset with a like piddly, like Mets fan who gets to win a world series, like every 30 years. So <laughs> Um, but uh, you know, you're a New Yorker so I'm with that. As always. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I you know, the last was it twenty fifteen? I was I was pulling for the Mets. Was is that when you guys went, uh, made it to the World Series? Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. And we lost to the Royals of all teams. I mean and, I know. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, look, um you know that I think that is a misperception a little bit about that Yankee Met thing. Uh you know, uh at the end of the day, you know, we're all having gone through the experience of living in the New York metro area or in the city <laughs> proper, it, it just binds us in, in a way. So, you know, these are all just kind of surface choices at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just uh, it's a little fun rivalry. I don't think it's not as serious as, as I live in Philly now and I'm a Giants fan and I made the mistake of wearing my Giants Jersey and that was not a great day for me. <laughs> yeah,
4: yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Watch out for that
0: yep but in any case where i could talk to you about sports all day i can really talk to most people about sports all day but i appreciate when somebody else in the wordpress space also likes sports yeah uh,
4: no, a few of us.
0: yeah, yeah usually people oh sports ball but uh, which is probably what half of the people watching this are saying right now um so uh why don't we talk about uh block party uh how did you how did you come up with the idea for this and what made you want to create a product for gutenberg uh that's been out for like a, a little bit now right like at, as we record this 5.0 is isn't officially out but this is like a full full fledged productized plugin
4: yeah yeah so it's it's actually technically been out since since april um and we <laughs> you know uh, trying to anticipate that um you know maybe gutenberg uh, at 5.0 would be out in april um i, I <laughs> if you can believe it at some point, a long time ago, there was this idea that it could be out in April. Um, And so really where it started with us, was in January. Um, I was uh, an organizer for WordCamp Albuquerque 2018. Um, And uh, we had a lot of great speakers uh, locally, but also from all over and uh, in the WordPress ecosystem. It was really fun a great opportunity to put on this great event with lots of people from out of town. And so I started talking to, uh, a lot of people, developers, uh, business people that were looking at this good, uh, Gutenberg and, and, you know, talking about the possibilities and the opportunities. And, uh, we actually, um, uh, myself and two of my guys in my company, we, we actually went to contributor day, um, and decided, hey, let's like take a deep dive and let we'll we'll you know we'll make a pull request um, for Gutenberg, and so you know so as to kind of educate ourselves on how it worked and what the different strategies were, and so we did that. Um, it was actually, believe it or not, an accessibility pull request that I didn't <laughs> pull in. Um, you know, funny enough, how that works. But uh, what it did serve is to sort of educate us on on how it worked. And and we knew a little bit about it before, but we didn't really know a ton. Um, So where we got excited is uh, how Gutenberg responds to the thing that I think is the sort of dirty secret of WordPress, which is that the editor uh, stinks. Mm -hmm. And um, it's been around for a long time. And uh, there are all these sort of solutions for content and data input in WordPress that have been sort of workarounds because of the limitations of the editor. And it's something we kind of deal with as people that work in the WordPress space all the time, um, running an agency here in New Mexico that specializes in WordPress. Um, And so we were really excited about that. And then we were also really excited about... um, the technology and the possibility to really do truly what you see is what you get um, using a technology like React. Um, The reason we're really excited about the technology is because we do a lot of application development at my company uh, and we primarily use uh, React to deliver uh, value to our clients in terms of building user experiences that are complex um, uh, but easy to use so so that that kind of was sort of you know that was the that was the point the crux point for us where we decided hey you know i think we're kind of uniquely positioned um uh to actually build on this and and try some things out so we had a kind of internal company sort of hack day um Mm -hmm. with Gutenberg kind of you know maybe a month afterwards and uh you know one of my one of my partners uh senior developer, Eric Dedelech, he uh, basically put together this Gutenberg block that was a pie chart um, and using Google Charts API. Um, and when he did that and we saw what the possibilities were there, we got so excited that we were like, hey, we, we really need to make some advanced blocks and be able to offer these to people. Um, and we chose data vi- d- data visualization because it's it's a, it's a strength of ours um but also we felt like there were opportunities in data visualization.
0: Nice. So this came out of um like a legitimate want to contribute to the Gutenberg ecosystem. Um a lot of times I interview people and they're like, "Well, I I need it for a client and so I decided to sell it afterwards, but it sounds like we might be going the other way with you, right? And and you, so you do client work at your agency, is that right?
4: Yeah, we do a lot of client work. And I, it doesn't I think they're related in in so far as what we have what we've been doing and what we still do now um and what we're trying to get i guess away from eventually um is uh you know we do custom metabox you know that, that, that's kind of the way we do things we, we use cmb2 a lot of people use acf a lot of people do their own thing but um so yeah th- that's what we primarily use and we primarily use it because we feel like it's the easiest and best experience for a real business that needs, um, you know, uh, needs to be able to update content and change content, um, and and also the the you know the sort of areas where they need to change are content wise, and not really focused on the changing the design or the layout or the style because we're kind of handling you know the, that on the website. So so we always felt like that was the easiest way. Uh, and the most scalable way but if you think about it really all these solutions are kind of hacks and so we just felt that for us it was something we were really excited about for clients certainly but uh, we kind of sort of saw it as a way to uniquely position ourselves in this ecosystem um, frankly so and that that's kind of the the you know the line of logic we pursued
0: Awesome. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense. And so are, are you, well, okay. So let's talk about the project uh, a little bit. Um, So it's got some, some free blocks and some premium blocks. Is that right? That's well, right. Yeah. What, what was the decision? Uh, like, how did you decide where to draw the line?
4: Yeah. So originally uh, there were no free blocks. Um, and um, I think what we kind of, we can't, we came around to you know, some kind of freemium model. So, so I guess from our standpoint is we were trying to play to our strengths, right? So um, you know, there are lots and lots of players in the WordPress space that are going to make beautiful presentation blocks. And it's not to say that I don't think we can create beautiful blocks. Of course, I think we can. Um, but it's, it's a crowded, competitive landscape. For these presentation blocks where we felt uh, we had the opportunity to separate ourselves were in blocks that have advanced functionality possibly interacting with microservices with other apis Um, that's where we felt like we could build something really cool and the sort of competitive landscape would be less crowded um, and so, so what we ended up doing was we, we've made the premium blocks, the, the data visualization blocks that are more complex. Um, and we've made some of the other one-off blocks that we just did again as either part of our little hackathon or just kind of, you know, uh, experiments. We've made those free. Uh, I think we, you know, the, the, the neatest, probably the neatest one in my mind, the neatest free one that we've made is the carousel block. Um, and you know, one of the things we hate, uh, with, (laughs) with WordPress is, uh, you know, we, uh, how do you implement a carousel for a client? Um, so we actually have a a custom carousel solution that we built using bootstrap, um, where the client can make edits and stuff like that. We have that in place for our projects, but you know, we felt like the third party solutions were overly complicated, unnecessary features, a lot of bloat. So what we did was we tried to make the easiest to set up and modify carousel um, uh, with Gutenberg. So, you you know, you could go to the site the block party and, and check out the carousel block. There are a couple of other free ones. Um, I think there's a pricing table block. We felt those were blocks that were either going to be Rep, duplicated, replicated by other people um, or possibly even end up at being like default blocks. We felt like the the premium blocks that we're selling are blocks that are going to just be a lot harder for people to um, build. And so that's kind of, that was the logic behind that decision.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I've written my own tutorials on you know how to do a pricing table with the columns block in Gutenberg. So um, I, think, I think you're, I think that line makes a lot of sense. And so um, what did you find, since we're talking more developing a product here, I like to ask, you know, what, what does Gutenberg make easier? What was challenging in Gutenberg? Let's talk about the development side of things because most people in the WordPress development space have focused on PHP for the last however many years, and now we're switching to React. So what is something that you like about react that makes things in the WordPress ecosystem easier?
4: Well, it, you know, look at, at, at the end of the day, it's, it's fun. I, So, you know, I'm, I'm the, I'm the CEO of my company. I don't write a ton of code these days. I criticize a whole bunch of people's code all the time. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I test things out and say, Hey, this doesn't work. This is broken What what's going on. Um, but, uh, I, frankly, I'm, I'm kind of technology agnostic in the sense that it, it's really about the end experience. And what, what I see is a true what-you-see-is-what-you-get um, experience that using technologies like React can deliver. Um, and so, like, for example, if you fire up our pie chart block, you can build a pie chart in your post. Um, right there, and get a preview right there. It's you know you can see it, and as you're building it, you can see how it changes, how the pie chart changes. So, um, and and one of the things we did actually, one of the new things we did is there's a Google Sheets integration now, so you can just load in a Google Sheet, and it will you know it will create your pie chart based off of the data in that sheet. Um, the the you know the basically the options that you had on creating pie charts or any kind of complex data visualizations were very, very limited, and none of them were truly what you see is what you get. Um and so that using that as an example, React is just a mechanism by which we deliver a better user experience for content managers, one where they can be empowered to create really rich and dynamic content, um, and have more control over it, and that's it. Um, and I think that's the thing people get kind of lost in. Um, you know, when they talk about React, PHP, and all this stuff, uh, you know, I, I really don't care. And frankly, like my our developers, um, we work all over the place on lots of different projects. You know, our developers are excited to work on new tech and, and not just for the sake of working on new tech, but so that a different kind of user experience can be delivered. That's it. Um, so that's what I see this represents. This represents um, a, a different paradigm and a better user experience at the end of the day for content managers.
0: I really like that answer um, because you're right, like the technology the technology will change, right? We're not going to be using React in, you know, 10 years or 15 years probably. We're going to be using something else, and we're going to have VR or whatever. So uh, I, I really like that answer. Um, On that same token, this plugin, this product was out in April, uh, and Gutenberg was not, is not, as we record this out. Uh, it seems like so long ago that we thought April was going to be the the official launch of 5.0. But, what are some of the challenges around that you're developing your own software for beta software?
4: Yeah. I, you know, um, a tremendous number of challenges from the standpoint of, you know, uh, deprecated functions and, and, you know, I mean, you know, so it's constantly changing and you're constantly having to change with it. Um, you know, we, we soft launched the product in April. we didn't, um, you know, marketed in any meaningful way, um, we just put it out there, showed it to her friends, and and you know, let people know kind of what was going on. Um, and so we kind of built in sort of, you know the, you know the ability to. You know, we didn't we didn't have we we haven't had a huge user base to be so worried about uh, breaking bugs and things like that and being able to respond right away. Um, so so that's one thing, right? Uh, but the other piece is. You know, we this is a long term play for us, and so we we've invested the resources um, to support this product, and and to me, I think what's what's really really important is to be one one of the first players to embrace the product and build really really cool things with it, um, because for us um, as an agency. One of the things that we've talked about a lot with with WordPress is we really like this ecosystem for lots and lots of reasons. It's an enormous ecosystem, right It dwarfs every other software ecosystem out there. Um, its user base is enormous um, but its user base is also not accustomed to paying for things mm-hmm. um, and and so and and the projects that we tend to work with with WordPress oftentimes are smaller projects. Um, in scale and in revenue than what we do business solution application work or mobile application work or things like that. So if we as a company are going to scale and we're going to stay in the WordPress ecosystem, um, we have to do something different, right? And so, um, so we, we knew that this was in beta, uh, essentially. Um, we knew that there was a lot of uncertainty about when it was going to come out. Um, We also got got to understand the controversy uh, around the implementation and all that stuff, and and so for us, the resources we've invested in it have just been part of, you know, uh, um, taking a a risk, um, but a risk we felt was worth it to sort of position ourselves in a different way in the ecosystem.
0: Nice, nice. I like that a lot. And and on that same token, as we come up on time here, um what is some advice that you have for somebody who might want to get into the Gutenberg product space?
4: Yeah. I mean, I think one of the things I talked about is expect lots of changes, expect to, you know, expect to having, you know, invest a lot of time and support. Um, I think that's one. I would also say um, there's a lot of products out there that are the same kinds of blocks. Um, You know, divider blocks, cording blocks, I don't know, you know, whatever. Right. Mostly, primarily presentation blocks. I would really take a look at some of the other possibilities um, of what you can do beyond just sort of simple presentation blocks. I thought a lot about industry-specific blocks, all kinds of things. And, and then the other thing is, and this is something I've talked about a lot at different WordCamps this year is, I think it's bigger, the opportunity here is bigger than just a collection of blocks. It's bigger than, um, you know, like a simple product. Uh, I really believe that this is going to change the ecosystem. Um, and it's the biggest disruption to the ecosystem in years. So, um, you know, I put my thinking cap on and really think about something that's going to push the boundaries, or push the limits, push Gutenberg as far as it can go. Um, and, and and run with it, you know. I think it's worth uh, it's worth taking risks um, when there's a disruption. There's always winners and losers in the disruption. Um, and the losers tend to be the people that just sort of stand by and idly watch everyone else take advantage. So, you know, go out there and, and you know, think of great ideas and take risks and make it happen. Uh,
0: again, really, really like that advice. Uh, I think it's something that you should definitely heed. If you're thinking, "Hey, should I get into this um, should i should I try to build my own Gutenberg product? Should I take advantage of the changing ecosystem because uh Alonzo, you are correct. This is the biggest change to the ecosystem, and it is going to go beyond just blocks. Uh, and I would encourage anybody out there to read what Yoast is writing about and and check out John Ekman's talk from uh, Wordcamp Boston uh, about how we can really take advantage of things like deeper data and, and affect more than just the presentation. Um, so Alonzo, thanks so much for joining me. I really appreciate uh, you taking the time. Where can people find you?
4: Yeah. So you can find me on Twitter, Alonzo underscore um, I N. I don't tweet a whole ton, but uh, you can, uh, you can check out block, block party, WP block party. Um, and my agency is uh, 11 online. It's one one us. Come check
0: us out. Thanks so much to Justin, Renee, Bill, and Alonzo for joining me uh, on their journeys for implementing Gutenberg. Uh, It was really interesting to hear uh, kind of the different aspects uh, and approaches that they took and and with Alonzo specifically, uh, being a pretty early adopter in the product market, which is very cool. So, uh, if you liked this episode, be sure to leave it a rating and review on iTunes. It helps people discover us. As a matter of fact, I ran the stats recently, and uh, the show went from about 3,000 downloads in the first month to uh, per episode to 5,000 downloads in the first month per episode. And it went from about 25,000 monthly downloads per to over 40,000 monthly downloads. So uh, I really appreciate you coming in and listening and sharing the show. Uh, It has helped the show grow considerably over the last six months. So very excited for 2019. And uh, be sure to tune in next week when you'll hear uh, Jeff Large interview me about how I built how I built it. So thanks so much for listening. And until next time, get out there and to build something.